You're listening to audio from Citizens Church in Annapolis, Maryland. I'm Pastor Joey, and I hope what you're about to hear blesses you, increases your love and knowledge of Jesus, and answers any questions that you might have about Him. All right, let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, so much for our opportunity to look into your word. As we gather together, as we have sang these songs, we are reminded so much of how much you care about us, the rest that is in Jesus. Thank you, Spirit, for working in our lives. Thank you for convicting us, strengthening us, encouraging us, and giving us direction and light. Thank you, Father, for reminding us that we're yours, for watching over us, for hearing our prayers. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our prophet, priest, and king. Lord, we would be remiss if we did not ask for a few things while we're before your throne. As we draw near to you, we're conscious that we have come with all of our imperfections. So as your word says, we confess our sins, and you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We want to pray for our president and the Congress and the Senate and the judicial branch, our governor and our local and state authorities, that uh, they would rule in righteousness, that they would repent, that they would be courageous, that they would be just, that those who know you would be strengthened and that many more would come to know you in our government. Lord, would you give us not what we deserve, but mercy and forgiveness and restoration. We want to pray as well for um, our brothers and sisters that are all around the world, many of whom have already worshipped you and called on your name, some from caves and villages and under trees and some from buildings. Lord, we're grateful to be part as we recited in the Nicene Creed of this universal church, and we're grateful to play our part uh, to worship you this morning. And so, Lord, now as we draw our attention to your word, would you capture our hearts and our minds? Would you mem- minimalize the distractions that are inside of us? Uh, would you open up our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear from you? Because our greatest need is just that, to hear from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This morning, I'm going to uh, speak to you from John chapter 4 and verse 6, which reads, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and the message is titled, Jesus Sat Down. Um, I love the Bible, and one of the reasons why I love the Bible is because it's a real book for real people with a real God who really loves them. And it's unfortunate that so many people view the Bible other than what it is. It's a real book of real people who serve a real God who really loves them. And by real people, I mean like real people. I, I kind of, I mean, I'm one of the people who, I'm not afraid to say that I've got my favorite little Netflix things that I watch, but, um, and every now and then I think it'd be really cool if Netflix did like, like, did the Bible, like the book of Judges would be like 19 seasons long, and that thing would be amazing, you know what I mean? Uh, but the thing is, is Hollywood always messes it up. You know, they don't stick to the script of the scriptures, which is interesting and violent, and it's got all the stuff in it, Right? Uh, I mean, the Bible is a real book for real people with a real God. And we know that Jesus is the most important person in the Bible, the most important concept of the Bible. And today we look at something that Jesus did, namely that he sat down. Now, I would imagine that if you ask most Christians who go to church regularly, 
when they think about Jesus and the Bible and they think about Jesus' kind of life and posture, um, if you would ask them, like, what do you imagine Jesus doing? Uh, most people would say, um, well, dying on the cross, because we sing about that a lot, okay? We got that. And maybe, um, you know, Easter, raising from the dead, um, we, we got that too. And maybe some would say miracles and healing. And uh, undoubtedly, those who are kind of more of a, a Bible heads and knowledge geeks, they'd be like preaching, teaching. And, uh, and maybe if we branched out farther to the people who don't necessarily come to church but are somewhat affiliated with church and Jesus, they may say something like, well, his sayings, you know, love one another. So he's probably saying stuff. Um, but I don't think anybody would say sitting down. I don't think anybody would say, yeah, I, I imagine Jesus sitting down. If you were to say to a person, if you were walking um, through your neighborhood, and Jesus was in your neighborhood, what do you think Jesus would be doing? Everybody would be like, oh, he'd be knocking on doors and healing people, all of which we know Jesus did. But I doubt anyone would say, oh, I would probably find him sitting down. People go, you crazy, sitting down, and Jesus doesn't match, except it does. As a matter of fact, our Bibles and the creed we just read says that's his predominant posture now. He's sitting down. And, and sometimes we don't really think about that, but again, that's why I love the Bible. And it's interesting, too, um, that you're all sitting down. You know, in ancient customs, it was the teacher who sat and the learners who stood. So what we're going to do today, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Joey's like, you're never coming back here ever again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but it's, it's interesting, the, the posture of sitting. And so today, when we look at Jesus sitting down, I think we can learn a lot from it. So let's just take a look at this verse, and we'll spend the majority of our time just making observations from this verse. Verse 6 reads, Jacob's well was there. This answers the question, where was Jesus? In the first five verses, John tells us as he was journeying. Now, you know, Jesus didn't have Uber, and he didn't have trains, and he didn't have buses, and you know what I mean? And he didn't have electric cars, so wherever Jesus needed to go, he actually had to walk. Now, most people, if you were to look up in Google real quick, and you would say, how far is it from Judea to Samaria? You know, somewhere between, depending on how you measure in the lineage and all that stuff, 50, 60 miles. So um, last year, I had the privilege of doing an Ironman, and the last part of it is a 26-mile run. I walked it. <laughs> but nonetheless, it took me seven and a half hours to do it. And that was 26 miles. So I started doing the math, and I'm like, well, you can't walk for 24 hours. If you do 26, you know, probably three or four days, depending on the stops. And if some of the disciples were like, I'm tired, I am hungry, I got to go to the bathroom. And some of them were like, oh, look at that, squirrel, all that stuff. It would take it even longer, you know, four or five days. But in other words, there was a lot of walking. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but like Kanye was right on this. Jesus did walk. And he walked a lot. And he walked to get to people, places, circumstances, so that he could bring the light of heaven and all the goodness and lift oppression and preach the gospel. 
So he's here at Jacob's well. It's a very significant place in this part of the world after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jacob is is a big deal in the Bible. He's in that lineage of of people whom God blessed, and Christ is in that lineage. That's where he is. Now, notice as well what he felt. It says, um, so Jesus wearied. So this basically means that Jesus actually was weary. He was tired. And when we think about being wearied, this bothers me. Sorry, I'm an outward processor. <laughs> I like line sight, you know, looking through people through microphones and stuff. Um, so Jesus is wearied, right? So I want, I want you to think about this. Because we think about Jesus being God as we recite it, but we also recite it in the creed that he's man. 100% God, 100% man. When Jesus was wearied, where did he feel that at? In his body. That's where you feel weary as well. I've been preaching for a while, for almost 30 years. And one time I was preaching in the church, and uh, there was a guy who came in the church and he fell asleep. And uh, back then, I was a lot more ignorant and stupid and uh, zealous than I am now. And um, he fell asleep. So during my sermon, while I was really riled up, I said, wake him up. <laughs> Afterwards, he came up to me and he says, oh, pastor, I'm so sorry. I've been listening to your sermons back then, you know, the website at well, internet had just started because I'm that old. You know what I mean? It just started. It was like, right? Took you like five minutes. You guys would have died. There's no way this generation would have survived our generation. Took you five minutes to just get on. You talk about download speeds, come back in two hours. You know what I mean? Uh, so he comes up to me and uh, he says, Yeah, I've been listening to your stuff online. And, um, and my sister who goes to the church, ships me the cassette tapes, and I listen to all your messages. So you could tell I went from being this tall, I'm shrinking. And then he said, and I got in my car yesterday, and I had to drive 16 hours straight to get here. And that put me here at about 7.30 in the morning. So that's why I fell asleep. So then I was like this big. (laughs) He's like, I was tired. Two weeks ago, I was in church, and a guy came in, and he sat down in the back, and he fell asleep, and he started snoring. I did not say, wake him up! (laughs) I thought to myself, actually, with all due respect, if people are going to fall asleep, this is probably the best place for them to fall asleep at. I know some really religious people like I was 20 years ago go, no, it isn't, it's reverence, but like, if you're going to fall asleep, it's probably a good place to fall asleep. By the way, you remember in Jesus' life, he once told his three uh, apostles to stay awake and keep watch with him, and they fell asleep. And he simply said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He didn't condemn them. He just said, you wanted to be awake. Jesus is feeling weariness in his body. He's been walking a long time. And the physical effects of walking 60 miles... 
The physical effects of not being able to jump in and get in line real fast at a Dunkin' Donuts, not being able to like DoorDash or Uber eat something, the physical effects of just walking and not having like the latest, greatest $200 Nike Air Max with cushions and all that type of stuff, just walking and grinding up and down hills and not being overly exposed to like water and food, the physical effects of all that. And meanwhile, he's doing ministry while he's doing that, sometimes doing ministry for 20, 20 plus hours straight, no breaks, right? Um, the physical effects has him weary. And the Bible says it's from his journey. It's his journey. It was always his journey. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. It was his journey of walking. Jesus was so committed to save us that he was willing to do anything it took to make sure that you and I would not only get in, but be guaranteed access with the Father forever and ever and ever. And if that took walking hundreds of miles and being wearied in body, Jesus was like, let's do it. If it took going the cross and being forsaken because he had become sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God, he did it. Whatever it took, he was willing to do. And at this moment in his life, he's weary from his journey. So what does he do? Uh, the Bible says, he sat down, or in the ESV it says, he was sitting by the well. Now this is simple, but extremely profound, because if Jesus is our model, which he is, if we're to practice what I call the Jesus principle, which we should, that little kind of sometimes corny phrase, what would Jesus do, I think is a good phrase. Then we see here that Jesus, in the midst of doing the will of the Father, in, in all of his perfection, being God-man, in his journey, got tired, felt it in his body, and found a place to sit down. So anyone in their life that claims to be a disciple of Jesus, and in their life they never have any space or in room in their life to sit down, at that moment ceases to be a disciple of Jesus. We know from verse 8 that his disciples were, were with him. It says, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food, which we'll touch on in a moment. Which means his disciples saw him tired and his disciples saw him sit down. Now, you're always discipling someone. You know that, right? Like, you're always messaging, whether what you say or do. That's why Jesus said, hey, the Pharisees, by the way, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Right? So you're always messaging. So Jesus was teaching his disciples how to be disciples, not just when he healed people and not just when he went to the cross and not just when he taught, but also when he sat down. He was teaching them that you have limitations. He was teaching them that the body needs rest. He was teaching them that the fourth commandment wasn't one which God said, oh, I need 10 to make a perfect number, uh, angels, anybody? Uh, how about rest? Okay, let's throw that in there. It's not that important. It's not like all the other ones. No, it's just as moral as you shall not kill. You shall rest. He was teaching them to uphold the whole law which is not only a law that helps you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but neighbor, self, but also 
in, is in, has, a, has a kind of a code, a DNA in it embedded for soul care, to take care of oneself so that you can be repositioned so that you can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, as a general rule, when you get tired, you, you ain't at your best. Now, some of you may be in here, and um, forgive me for being too frank, but if you think you're at your best when you're tired, you're just deluded. Welcome to the club. It's kind of like when you're hungry. Most people, when they're hungry or tired, their psychology and their spirituality is altered. Uh, you, you see those Snicker commercials on the TV when the person's going crazy and then they get a Snickers and then they flip over and change. I know for me, when I start to get hungry, I start to get grumpy. So that's why I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm 54 and I was telling the guys before, I'm like right in that age where you young people are like, oh, you're so old. And then the older people are like, you're so young. So I just want to skip and just be 70, you know what I mean? Or stay 50. But, but it's like I, I plan my meals, and one of the reasons why I plan my meals is selfishly because I don't like the feeling of being hungry. I know I'm so carnal. So, you know, when I'm like, oh, should I stop right now and grab something to eat, or should I, should I keep going, it, it, it alters me. What Jesus is teaching his disciples is, look, when you're wearied, from time to time, you actually need to sit down. You need rest. It's God's order. It's God's commandment. It's God's blessing for the soul. But notice as well where he's sitting. It says he's sitting next to a well. Well, what's the significance of that? I don't know. There's water there. Well, why would Jesus need water? Uh, because if you don't drink it, you die. <laughs> and, and what else is water good for? Well, it's good for sustenance. It's good for flushing your system. Um, you've you're, you got a lot of water in you, and you, God made you to need water. So think about this. Here's Jesus with all of his God likeness with all of this power and this mission in a human body he gets tired and he picks a well to sit next to now some of you know this story and maybe have already read through it before or are very familiar and you know that in verse 7 it says a woman from samaria came to draw water and jesus said to her give me a drink now, the real spiritual preachers skip over all this because this is like carnal human stuff. But John writing his gospel didn't skip over it. As a matter of fact, when John wrote these 21 chapters, he says in chapter 20, I'm writing these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So by showing us Jesus' humanity and showing us that Jesus sat down, there's something in there that's compelling for us to say, wow, Jesus is amazing. Wow, Jesus can relate. Maybe Jesus can relate to you being tired. Maybe Jesus can relate to you when you sit down. Maybe sitting down is actually not a crime. He sits by a well because there's water there and he needs to drink. And he asked the woman for a drink. He's, he, in other words, he's treating his weariness. He's, can I say this word? He's self-medicating. But he's not self-medicating with Netflix and, and sinful things and, and, and drugs. He's self-medicating with God's means. He's sitting down. 
and he's asking for a drink. He's sitting down, and he's also, watch this, he's also expressing neediness. Now, servants, and I'm sure there's a lot of servants in this room, naturally prone when you wake up in the morning and you just think about everybody else and and how can you make everything good for everybody else and you just want to serve, 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 and what can I do? And your hand's always up, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. Well, we know Jesus was a servant, right? The Son of Man has not come to be served but to serve. But even the Son of Man who came to serve said, time out, I need to sit down And can you give me a drink? Jesus wasn't proud, so proud, that he would think, I'm here to serve. You can't serve me. I have no needs. You have needs. I I don't have the needs. And I can serve you at any time and any place. And I can serve anyone. Jesus actually asked for a drink, which shows great humility a lot of self-awareness, a lot of honesty, a lot of what we might say participation. So he asks for the drink. He's sitting next to a well. When he got wearied, he says, I need a place to sit down, but I also need a place where my needs can be met, so I'll sit next to this well, and if I see someone coming with the ability to draw the water, I'll ask them for some water. Verse 8 says, his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So Jesus is like, Let's, I'm going to sit here. You guys go get food because we're tired and food is nourishment. And when the Samaritan woman comes, he says, um, can I have a drink? Jesus is holistically addressing every part of him so that he can love God and love others. He's not being super exaggerated spiritual, nor is he diminishing his humanity. He's addressing a very real issue that happened to him and happens to us. And the last thing we see in the text is it was about the sixth hour, or some go ahead and translate it for you, it's noon. So it's time to eat. We're hungry. Jesus could have been walking all morning without stopping for something to drink and without Um, something to eat, and now he's tired. He's sitting at this well because he can have access to water. He sent the disciples into the city to get food so that they can have something to eat to address because once he's rested, once he has water, once he has food, then he can commence again with the duties of the Father. But notice his sitting down is part of God's will. His sitting down is part of serving God. His sitting, God, his sitting down is part of his purpose. It's not, oh boy, I, I, need, I need to take a break once every three years. It's rhythmic. And if we study Jesus' life, what we find in Jesus' life is that he had rhythms of sitting down, if we could use that metaphorically. One of the most famous stories about Jesus was when he was in the boat, right? And what we tend to focus on is him saying, shh, to the water. But you know what he was doing before he said, shh, to the water? What was he doing? He was sleeping. Isn't that funny? I'm telling you, Jesus was sleeping. He's like, hey, man, I'm tired. He went down in the hole and fell asleep. And they had to wake him up and say, don't you care? That's a crazy thing to say to Jesus, right? Don't you care? 
what? I'm sleeping. I'm tired. He's sitting at wells. He's tired. The, uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John also record that at various times, rhythmically, Jesus would slip away by himself to go to a secret place. These are all Jesus' normal rhythms of sitting down. In other words, Jesus, at the edge of what we call burnout, said, nah, I'm going to sit down. Where are you going to sit down? Next to a well. Why a well? Because there's water there. And what are you going to do with the disciples? Like, what about ministry? I'm going to tell them to go get food. Well, what about preaching? They're going to go get food. Well, what about, what about all these needs? Now I'm going to sit down. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to get a drink. They're going to go get food, and it's going to be okay. Let me sew this up and give you some, some applications. So we know that we're in an exaggerated and diminished world. So some people sit down for a living. Uh, they, they're never weary because all they do is sit down, right? They don't do much. They sit down. And never in human history have people been able to sit down more than they can now. I mean, my mom was born in 1931. You couldn't sit down in 1931. Like literally, you could not sit down. Anybody who, has, who knows their parents' parents, the generation that was born in the 30s or 1900s or 18, I mean, it's, it's said in 1890 like or 1888 in America, the, the average person lived on a dollar a day. We don't, we don't think about that. I mean, it, it, it's like you had to be on the move. It was kind of an agrarian society, and you, if you didn't use your hands and your feet, uh, you, you were going to be in trouble. You had to go, go get your food, right? Um, but we know we live in a society where some people, they sit down for a living, and they're never weary from the Lord's work, and to those people, we'd say, well, you need to repent and reorient your life. In other words, weariness from doing God's work and God's will in, in its totality, whether you're a husband, wife, whether you're a child and you're honoring your father and mother, whether you're single or married or about to be married, weariness from pursuing God's will and doing God's will is normal and natural. And so is sitting down. Some people say, something must be wrong with me because I'm tired. Sometimes weariness is a good, 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 good characteristic to show you that you're right in the middle of God's will. Now, it is my personal opinion, brothers and sisters, that we live in a, a culture that is obsessed and addicted on a drug called busyness. And it is one of the most potent drugs because it is not illegal. It is not prescribed by the pharmaceutical companies. It is more incipient and um, subtle and subversive than that. It's, 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 a, it's birthed by culture. It's the idea that at all times when you're conscience, conscious, you must be doing something. And since we had too much time on our hands, those who love technology and love to put the e on the edge of technology have put things in our hands that will preoccupy us all the time so that we're always going until we sleep. 
And oh, by the way, the latest study says this is the most sleepless generation in human history in America. We're sleeping less than we've ever slept. And then we have, we have to contrast that with Jesus who is sitting down and sleeping and getting away. And sometimes we don't want to connect our mental instability with our decisions and our lifestyle. Our refusal to sit down, our refusal to Sabbath, our refusal to actually rest in the Lord and say, unless the Lord builds a house, they who labor are in vain. Our refusal to trust God that he said he will build his church, that he is not your responsibility, but he is God's responsibility. And these kids that we're raising ultimately are God's, just like we are. There is a reward system for those who break the fourth commandment, for those who are workaholics. As a matter of fact, if you were to go on TikTok or Instagram, not Facebook, because that's for old people, right? But if you go on TikTok, Instagram, you know what I mean? Um, But on those two major platforms, you will see that it is widely promoted to grind. Grind. And it is true. He who works two hours will receive two hours compensation holistically, and he who works 18 typically receives 18. So the more compensation holistically you want, the more you work. But it is openly promoted. And what's happened is the church, as it is typical, is usually absorbed up into the world's culture instead of otherwise. And then we have this verse where it says, and being wearied in his journey, Jesus sat down. Very contrarian. There is a proneness to being a workaholic, and there's a slight proneness in culture today to be a sluggard, but even in the church, everyone's tired. And sometimes, I like to say, from what? Our services are an hour long. (laughs) Like, I don't know. You didn't walk here. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, you were tired the other night, so you clicked Uber Eats. Like, what are you tired of? Like, I don't know. Some, some of you may say, well, but I'm serving. Like, like we're, we're, we're weary. And Jesus' word to you is if you're weary, maybe there's a season in your life where you should have or you should right now be sitting down. So you say, well, how would I know if I need to sit down? You know you're weary and you need to sit down when your weariness keeps you from loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbors yourself. You know you should sit down when you say, I'm so tired, I just heard that someone in Citizens Church died and I know I should call her, but I'm too tired to call her. You probably should sit down. You know you should sit down when, when your weariness is a significant obstacle to you loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbors yourself. If you're like, I can't serve in Citizens Church for the next four years because I'm tired, you probably need to sit down. Like, that's a long rest. Jesus didn't sit down for four years, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a long time to rest. You know you should sit down if your weariness is a significant obstacle or obstruction to you loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbors yourself. You may say, I need to sit down. Now, I got to tell you this 
that even in the church today, um, we, don't, we don't tend to prize people who rest. So what, what we did at Freedom is we got a, a year or two years in and we started having people raise their hand and say, I'm burned out, I'm burned out, I'm burned out. So what we tried to do is we tried to create systems and structures with rhythms of rest. For example, for small groups, we were like, hey, we, we, when we first started small groups, they were like 48 weeks out of the year. Then they went to 40, then they're 36, and then they're down to like 28. And part of small groups are resting weeks. So then I would say to small group leaders, don't come to me and tell me you're tired in October. Because you chose, and your group was like, but we should meet, we should go to the park, and we could chop trees, and we could do all this stuff, and small group for four hours, and stay up till one in the morning, and drink coffee. And then it's like six weeks in, it's like, Pastor Mike, we're tired, can we just stop small groups for the rest of the year? Like, no, you were disobedient. When you were weary, you didn't sit down. You, that's part of being a disciple, feeling weary and going, I need to get away with the Lord. I need to find a well, a well to sit next to. And, and, and that's what we need to do. There's a well. That's how you know. When you can no longer love God and love your neighbor. So what you're hearing this morning is that Jesus gives you permission to sit down. He gives you permission to sit down. Now, here's the thing. When you hear that, some of us, like me, even in me, emotions rise up, right? If we're really honest, we think about sitting down. And here's, here's what you're thinking. You're going, I, 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 I don't have time to sit down, <laughs> right? There's moms in here raising kids, and you're, like, teaching your kids Greek and Hebrew, and, like, you're actually educating your kids, and you're having to do all this stuff, and there's dads in here, and you're working hard, and you guys are, like, coordinating this whole thing, and you're, like, running a little military kind of like system in your home and like trying to figure the whole thing out and bringing them to church and then school and then COVID and homework and holidays and grandparents. And it's like, ah, and you're like, I don't have time to sit down. My kids won't let me sit down. <laughs> I don't have time. And sometimes you got to remember in this text that Jesus just sat down. He didn't ask for permission. And then he asked for help. He said, disciples, could you go get food? And then he asked the Samaritan woman, could you give me a drink? Sometimes as parents, we're like, we're parents, and these are our kids, and this is my house, and God's given me authority to oversee all this. It's like, you sound like God. You're not. You're just a man. You're a woman. You have limitations and weaknesses. Jesus got tired doing God's will. There, there's women and men in here, and you actually feel guilty because you're weary in the work. Why do you feel guilty? Jesus got weary in the work. There are moms in here, and you feel bad because emotionally, you can't tell anybody at church because they'll slap a Bible verse on you and tell you to keep it moving, so you keep it all quiet up and sucked up, Right? And you're like, I feel bad, but I feel so tired. I'm so drained. I'm snapping at the kids. I'm just, I, I, and what do I do? And you feel bad. And this text comes to you this morning to say to you, it's okay. Jesus was weary too. Sometimes you just need a spot to, to sit down. What it meant for me, we have five kids, three girls, two boys. 
They're 28 to 20, but if you're doing the math, that means at one time they were like nine, eight, six, four and a half, two, like car seats all over the place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> McDonald's chopping up nuggets and fries, you know what I'm saying? Like it crazy chaos. And then all of our friends had four or five kids because we come from have as many kids as you want. We had all these kids running around and everyone's homeschooled. Ah, it's like a zoo. So we have three people over, three families, two families over, and there's like 28 of us. One time I mean, we went to SeaWorld, they were like, uh, is this a school? I was like, no, it's just me and two other families. Like, you guys have like 16 kids. I was like, I know, I know. You know, double strollering it, you know what I'm saying? And back then, our strollers were like Flintstones. Them joints didn't even move. We were like, Ugh! you know? So the, the, the idea is this. What, we, what I started thinking about, I was like, man, we got to help each other. We got to arrange some things, and we got to be proactive. So sometimes I would just, I'd just be like, honey, you're leaving. You got to get out of the house. I got the kids. And she'd be like, no, you don't. You don't got the kids. That just means we're going to blow the budget and you're going to go to McDonald's. That's true. <laughs> and the kids are going to watch more TV. Than they, that's true too. Um, but you need rest. And I'd call her mom and be like, hey, can you, you guys want to go on a trip? Like, uh, can you, like, like that's what it means. It, it means, it means you, you raise your hand and you say, I'm weary, I need to sit down. Then you ask for help and you say, can you help me sit down? It might be, somebody says, I can't go for four days. Can you go for one? I can't go overnight now. Can you go for two hours? I can't leave overnight. Can you go for six hours? It's always what we can't do and not what we can do. Jesus didn't sit down for the rest of his life. He sat down for an hour or so. And then he got up after he ate and drank. Time and space for you and you got people. I was talking to a pastor and he told me that he couldn't go to an event because he had two kids. And then I said, how many people are in your church? He's like, 300. I said, do you, your grandparents and stuff alive? Yes. I said, are they sane? He said, what? I'm just asking. Like, because not everybody has sane like family. Are they saying yes? Well, they're Christians. Great. Do they love you? Oh, they love the kids. Great. How far do they live from you? An hour. I said, so let me get this straight. You can't come to this event, and you want, and, and you're telling me you can't come to this event because you don't have anybody to watch your kids. You got 300 people in your church, and you got two sets of grandparents. Your problem is not that you don't have anybody to your kids. Your problem is you haven't embraced the theology of sitting down and being honest and humble and asking for help and saying, could you buy me food and could you give me a drink? I need, because it's humbling to say, I actually need help to sit down. I'm not that great of a Christian that I can just do all this and none of y'all can need to help me because it's just me and God. We got this. Jesus said, no, I need my disciples who get food and I need this woman to give me some drink and I need to find a well to sit next to. Now some people in here are like weary, and I don't mean like weary, I mean like really weary. I don't mean the weariness that a cup of coffee will help you. Or when you leave out of here, you're like, oh man, I gotta get my Starbucks, to get me going the rest of that. That ain't real weariness. I'm not talking about weariness that if you go on this afternoon and get you two, three episodes in your flicks and you good. I'm talking about a weariness 
that pierces the division and marrow of soul like we read. A weariness that is intrinsic, that is heavy, it's like a weight. A weariness that doesn't seem feasible, that maybe even sitting down. There's a heavy burden of a weariness. I know some parents who have children with disabilities, and the weariness that they carry is different than the weariness that I carried. They're 24-7 caregivers. They're weary. And what I would say to you this morning is it's not about cliches of sitting down. It's really about actually finding micro rhythms of sitting down, micro ones, but it's also about that macro transaction between you and the Holy Spirit because there's some weariness that only God can handle. You understand me? A month ago, I was at the funeral of Trey Rock. He was 19 years old. He contracted leukemia when he was nine. We walked with the family for 10 years. And the weariness that that mother felt over that last decade wasn't going to be lifted by some Netflix or a vacation to California for seven days because it's just a different type of a burden that you carry. And I'm saying to you that if you're here this morning and you're holding something in your hands and you're like, I hear you, and maybe I am sitting down or I've tried to sit down, but there's some things in my life that are just so heavy, I don't even envision sitting down would help. Call upon the only one that can come and help you hold that great burden. And his name is Jesus. He knows what it's like to hold those types of weariness. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you not to um, be overwhelmed by fear and guilt and shame when when it comes to sitting down because when you start thinking about sitting down, fear will say if you sit down, you'll miss out. Jesus sat down, and now we have the story of the Samaritan woman. You realize that? He was sitting down when this happened. They, well, if I sit down, I'm going to miss out on ministry opportunity. If I sit down, someone's not going to get saved. If I sit down, uh, the church won't grow. If I sit down, uh, 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 no. If you sit down, God might use you while you're sitting down. He might use you while you're sitting down. Don't let shame tell you don't sit down because shame says there's something wrong with you and that's why you need to sit down. If you weren't messed up, you wouldn't need to sit down. And shame will tell you you can't sit down. You you, you can't do that. You can't do that because it'll just affirm that there's something wrong with you. You need to be strong. You need to show people that you're trusting in the Lord and and that you're, uh, no, you tell shame to get in its place and you tell shame that Jesus on that cross took care of both fear, I'll be with you always, and shame and guilt because guilt will kick in and tell you you haven't done enough. You need to do more. And guilt will tell you that if you hadn't done all these things, you wouldn't need to sit down. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I'm going to close with reading two passages to you because I said this is not the only place where Jesus sat down. And as I read these passages, I just want you to listen to this, the, the place of Jesus in sitting down and it played. The first one is in regards to our sins. Hebrews 10, 11 says, Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. 
But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus' sitting posture in heaven is evidence to your soul and mine that it's finished. It doesn't matter what you did this morning, it's finished. It doesn't matter what transpired this week, it's finished. It doesn't matter what was done to you, it's finished. One sacrifice for all time, all your sins, past, present, and future, they're absolved. You bear them no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and proof that it's finished, Jesus sat down. He's like, oh, when I was down there, I was working. I sat down a few times, but I got on that cross. But now, as I look out on eternity and I look out on souls, what's my posture work? No, I'm sitting down. I finished what the Father told me to do. I provided the way of salvation for everyone who would believe in me. I'm now advocating from them in a posture of sitting, of a posture of confidence, of a posture of surety that every single person who trusts in my name is mine and they'll never be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And there's no more condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. And God is for them. And no one can bring a charge against God's elect. It's in crazy, glorious faith. And Jesus is sitting down. He's confident. He's not pacing in heaven. And then... Again, in the book of Hebrews, he leaves us with this, this glorious view of Jesus for all eternity in Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited a more excellent than theirs. That's his posture. He's king. He's all supreme. This morning, if you hear his voice, you need to come. This morning, you hear his voice, you need to come. When I was 19 years old, 18 years old, I was dating a girl in high school. She was white and she was Jewish. And her parents told us we couldn't date anymore, so I went to her parents, and I said, why can we date? And they said, because you're black. And they said, you're the nicest guy she's ever brought home. You're probably the nicest guy she'll ever bring home, but you're black. And I got really angry at white people. And so I joined the black consciousness movement, and I became a rapper. <laughs> and my goal in life was to be a big-time rapper and stick it to the man and I started pursuing that, and we were doing all these concerts, and we had all these record deals on the table, and then it all got wiped out. The two most important things in my life taken from me. So I had what they call now a suicidal ideation. There are children in here, so I'm gonna spare you the details. In the midst of pursuing some of those ideations, I went and bought a Bible. Because I thought if I were to carry through, I could always say to God, why should, you why should I let you in? I bought a Bible. And while reading the Bible, 
I got saved. So I'm here today. And the reason why I tell this story most of the time I preach because statistics say in a crowd this large, some others have had ideation as well. And I tell you that because there have been times in my life where it feels so heavy and so impossible that I'm thinking to myself like Moses, Lord, do I have to keep going? That I can't, there's been times where I feel like I can't get out of bed. I can't sleep. I'm not hungry. There seems no purpose in life. And I'm just tired. If that's you this morning, Come to Jesus. You say, I already came. Come again. When did we get it in our mind? I come once. That's it. And I'm set. I'm good. You just not like buying a car. You don't go to a dealership for three hours and sit there and sign papers and leave. Like you have constant need of Christ. And Jesus is there for you. We have a sympathetic high priest who knows about our weaknesses, who will walk with you in the valley of the shadow of death who knows what it's like to be weary and to feel lonely and to feel overcome and to feel like you just can't do it and you're not measuring up and the weight of your sin and and life and all the things that are happening and have happening are all over you. And he knows what that's like and he steps right into that world and holds your hand and says, I will never let you go. I'll never let you go. I will be with you always. Others may leave you, but I'll never leave you. What a friend we have in Jesus. Today, if you hear his voice, come to him, trust him, believe him, take a step towards him. Today, if you hear his voice, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. You and I both know we have a generation that is absolutely searching and has no answers for the weariness of life. But by God's grace, we do. And it's not in us. It's in Jesus. So whether it's your sins or your circumstances, he is ready. He is ready. He is ready. All you have to do is come to him. All we have to offer ultimately is Jesus. He sat down. He knows what it's like to be weary. So come to him and journey with him. He says, my burden is light. My yoke is not heavy. Come to him. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he favor you. And may ultimately his peace be readily upon you. Your church is an amazing example of light and love. And I'm so proud to be related to you guys. And I'm so happy that I was able to come share. And I want you to know that as I walked in, just as Uh, Barnabas did in Acts 11. I saw the grace of God. There's a good work happening here, and I couldn't be more happy uh, for you guys in this work. So may God bless you and may keep you. Thank you. For more information about Citizens Church, please go to citizensannapolis.com.